Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. To ride a bicycle is in itself some protection against superstitious fears since a bicycle is a product of pure reason applied to motion. Geometry at the service of man. Give me two spheres and a straight line, and I will show you how far I can take them. Voltaire himself might have invented the bicycle, since it contributes so much to man's welfare and nothing at all to his bane. Beneficial to the health, it emits no harmful fumes and only permits the most decorous of speeds. How can a bicycle ever be an implement of harm? Pedal your blues away Forget all your troubles away Hop on your bike anytime you like And pedal your blues away Bring that cadence down. Get the heart rate back again. Just all about normal. Step away from the bike. You're listening to 3CR's Yarrabug radio show. Podcasting, streaming, or listening on the tranny in the kitchen. We've got a big show coming up, full of surprises. We're going to go to South Africa this morning. The high slopes of the Andes. South America. (laughs) (laughs) High slopes of the Andes. To experience what real cycling's about, downhill cycling, that is. On the joint this morning, sorry, Faith. Faith. I'm, I'm steering, luckily. Yeah, I know. Faith, I'm looking for that eye contact. I'm not oh, getting not it. It's all right. Faith, and with us this morning is Pepper. Good morning, Pepper. Good morning. And it is a lovely spring day in Melbourne. Actually, it's not really, it's a bit overcast. Um, the great part about this is Melbourne is blessed with a lot of uh, English and uh, foreign feral trees, oaks, elms, and they're all just coming into bloom now, which is really good. News and events, but first up, bike moments. Faith, you're up first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually have a few bike moments this time. I'm having spent a weekend riding bikes in the Grampians, uh, which was fun we took a couple of boys 14 year olds who hate camping and um 
professed to not like riding bikes anymore, so we took them bike packing for three days. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that went well. And um, so lots of good moments, but I think, um, yeah, those ones where you crest a dirt track and get a nice view over the tops of the trees of the Victory Range and before you start coming back down in below the trees, it's always nice. Sun came out a few times too. Uh, the cicadas in action down there yet? Lots of uh, roos, lots of mosquitoes, yep. emus, lots of wedged-out eagles, cockatoos, all sorts of colours. If you want to hear Australia's birds at their best, oh. try it about half past five in the morning in the Grampian somewhere <laughs> because it becomes deafening. Even mid-afternoon, mid, you know, just about three o'clock, you know, you go to some sort of little hollow and, and there's just this cacophony of bird noise. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Pepper, I might go first because I know yours will be quite special. So <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of a lead up to it. About uh, must be about two or three weeks ago when we had one of those very couple of very windy days here in Melbourne. Along my normal commute to work, I ride that little. Uh, there's a little path that goes from the top of Edinburgh Gardens and then connects to the capital city, capital city trail, and. I'm riding along and usually, hey, you know, you're on your commute, you're sort of pretty relaxed, you're not looking where you're going much. And I happen to glance up in time and there's a tree falling across the path. And there's a bloke standing next to it and he says to me, congratulations, you're the first person that looked up and seen it before they came into it. Thought, oh, that doesn't do me much good. <laughs> ah, Pepper. Um, well, I was going to have like a really funky touring moment, but actually on the way here, <coughs> as I was trying to make sure I was on time to be on the radio for the first time, I had my first major mechanical in about four years. <laughs> so I've never had a flat tire on a tour, never had a cable break or anything happen. <laughs> and on the way here, my chain snapped and went pinging off into traffic and I couldn't get it. Um, not that it would do much good, but... So I had to use my bike like a grown-up balance bike, <laughs> and I made it to commuter cycles. I was right down the road on the bike path from there, and they loaned me a step-through called Speedy Mahoney, <laughs> and no. that's how I got here today. Not that, not that black bike. Yep. No, yeah, it's got two big baskets on it, and it's a three-speed internal hub, and I thought it was named ironically, but it's actually really fast. <laughs> the gears are really high. So, Speedy Mahoney. At least you didn't have to balance bike through Peru. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. I've never carried yeah. a spare chain or anything, really. I've just always been so lucky, and people always told me I was crazy. But now I'm going to think twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, let's get on to something. Let's get on to some news, actually, a little bit happening around the town. What do you want to touch on first? Um, well, I got really excited last week when I heard that Mariana Voss yes. is coming to Melbourne. And so it, it's, she's one of those people where if even like me, if you're not necessarily really into the sports side of cycling, like yep. you just sort of skim across the top, you know. But Mariana Voss, such a legend, and she's going to be um, taking part in the Dirty Deeds uh, Cyclocross event. Oh, wow. Down yeah. at Warburton, Yes. No pressure for the dirty deeds, guys. <laughs> 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 
And she's also going to be riding the 125-kilometre Giro della Donna that uh, Cycling Tips are hosting down at Warburton. So, and also going to be at a uh, pasta dinner at Warburton. So I don't know if there's still places in those events. They might have had a sudden surge in sales after that news. But um, definitely worth checking out in November. Uh, if you look up Holden Giro della Donna, you'll find the details there and uh, an opportunity to hang out with one of the champions of cycling. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I suppose in a, not game change, but somebody who's actually pushed it very hard. I mean, yeah. through her actually own ethic ability and sort of longevity yeah. have really taken it to a different level. Yeah. And it's interesting to watch the rise in competitive women's cycling as far as, you know, even European races yeah. have come a lot during her ability yeah. to keep and going. And what an opportunity oh. for yeah. locals. Yeah. Incredible. So Dirty deeds. <laughs> mm, that's I know. pretty fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> the continuing saga of the O-Bikes <laughs> com- <laughs> continues to... Bemuse and befuddle people in Melbourne. I think it's pretty low. This company comes to Australia to provide a service, and some people have got nothing better to do than throw them in the river. That's from Mr. Whitnam, who has spent one of spent half a day the other day pulling forty of them out of the Yarra. Oh. Yeah. Another use for an O bike. There was a. I'm not sure whether um, there was a car incident. Driving up and down, it was Flinders Street, I think, and Swanton Street on must have been Grand Final Day, in a sort of a eerily similar to um, what happened in Burke Street about three or four months ago. Somebody threw one of the O bikes underneath the speeding car to try and slow it down. Mm. Mm. I think the bike didn't come off too well. <laughs> and the O bike are um, sponsoring Right to Work Day in Melbourne. So, uh, it, yep. you know, a good opportunity to get out there and uh, make proper use of them. Someone said, you know, it was disappointing that users were throwing them in the river, but I doubt it's users because then you would lose your deposit and 40 times the deposit is quite a bit of money. Quite a bit yeah. of money. So um, I think uh, Ride to Work Day would be a great opportunity to show the O-Bikes some love and yep. then they might uh, have the confidence to wheel out their um, the slightly higher spec bike. With yep. gears. There we go. Um, the, in continuing discussions with Parks Victoria and the City of Melbourne to improve um, the placement of bikes, bikes around Melbourne. The tracking so, of bikes. Uh, yeah. I'd remind people that there is not a GPS tracker on those no. bikes. So no. that's one part of it. Just on this, and we've spoken about this now for nearly three weeks in a row yep. about the different feelings it brings out in people. I listened to Fran Kelly on Radio National interview i think he was the pr manager for o bikes and it was one of right from the get-go it was quite an aggressive in your face interview about virtually blaming the bloke who's the pr yeah. for bikes lying on footpaths yeah it really was made me sit up and go this infects more people than you think it does you know yeah we've got this passion to get rid of some sort of I'm nearly going to say yellow peril, but I shouldn't, should I? <laughs> <laughs> um, Bicycle Network's helmet survey closed during the month, I think, with about the 27th or 28th of September. 19,000 respondents. respondents, which is good. 
and I'm not too sure when the release date for um, when they're going to uh, give out the uh, details of that. I think it's April next year. So they're going to be taking a good long look. And because they asked not just for people's opinion, but uh, um, for you could also upload submissions or links to information that they should consider. So they're going to go through all that. But yeah. anyway, it might maybe I'm wrong about April, but it is next no, year. And it's good. And it was, it was not just about helmets or survey. No. And it did allow you to make some statements. And, and it's actually not about helmets. It's about the mandatory helmet law. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, other follow, the other story <laughs> we're following that just keeps getting better as we go along is uh, Grigory uh, Rachenko, who was the head of the Moscow Water Lab, who features in the uh, documentary um, Icarus. There's been an, an official arrest warrant for uh, Grigory from uh, the Russian end at the moment, so he's been put on the wanted list. Um, Gregory is still in uh, protected witness custody in America. He wrote an op-ed piece for the New York Times at the beginning of last week, which um, I'll put a link up onto the um, onto our podcast. Well worth following. Uh, no extradition treaty between the US and Russia. Um, two of his immediate superiors have died in mysterious circumstances <laughs> in Moscow in the last two years. Yeah. It's a story that just it keeps, keeps on, on going. Keeping on. <laughs> we'll be back Cut after a, a little bit of a like relief. What are we going to play? Sorry, keep talking. <laughs> okay. Well, as we uh, mentioned at the start of the show, we have Pepper Cook in the studio. Hello. And uh, Pepper's here. For those who missed the commuter cycle slide night, Pepper recently went bikepacking across Peru, um, which, if that wasn't adventure enough, uh, did it in. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of imagine bikepacking big trips like that take quite a lot of planning and months and months of detailed work, working out routes and logistics. But Pepper's trip uh, had a pretty quick, was pretty spontaneous. Um, maybe start us off by telling us how it, you came about going on that trip. Sure. Um, well, I just got back from a 30 day solo ride around Iceland. And um, I'd only been back for about two weeks, and I got a mysterious message on the internet from a bicycle company, and they had a rider drop out of one of their tours um, where they were going to film kind of a documentary about the bikes and about riding over the Andes. So they invited me, and I said, oh, gee, I'd really like to come on that, but I just got back from Iceland. Let me see what I can make happen. When is it? And they said, two weeks from now. <laughs> And so I scraped all my funds together, and I had a lot of help from friends and family. And, um, yeah, I just made it happen. And I didn't know what bike I was going to be riding, or um, I was borrowing all the bike bags, too, because I've always had a traditional touring setup. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of spontaneously said yes, and, <laughs> and I flew over there, and I met three strangers from the Internet, and spent five weeks <laughs> camping and cycling over the Andes with them. Wow. That's pretty uh, insane, Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was not impressed. <laughs> she was a little impressed. <laughs> yeah. 
opportunity knocks. Yeah. <laughs> open the door, kick it open. <laughs> Definitely. And so how do you start off a tour like that? I guess um, altitude and acclimatizing is going to be a big part of that. Yeah. Um, I also I didn't know the route or pretty much anything about the trip until I landed there. Um, <laughs> and they so, said, oh, there's a few hills. <laughs> yeah. Well, they told me there would be a lot of climbing and um, a little bit of high altitude. And what that actually meant was five weeks between 4,000 and 5,000 meters wow. camping and riding. So, um, so to acclimate, we spent three days at a slightly higher town than Lima. So we flew into Lima, took a 10-hour bus ride south, um, a little bit southeast to Ayacucho, um, where the start of the route is. And the route that we rode is called the Peru Divide. So it's actually a GPX track that you can download off the internet. Um, <laughs> So it's yeah. not a road. Um, no, it is a. Um, it's got a, a couple linkage roads here and there along the five weeks, but um, most of it's gravel, gravel with a little bit of single track. And wow. towns along the way. Um, there's not so much big towns. So and there's a little bit of villages along the way. So um, they usually have a corner store in there, kind of in someone's house, like a little hut that you go into, and it's all dark, and they've got two minute noodles and rice. And a chook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you can pay like 30 cents or so to get a bowl of soup and so a little bit of rice. So how did you manage the logistics? Because we were talking about before that sort of relentless routine of food and water and making sure mm. you have a, over even a small, a short period uh can be is it's quite a lot of work added to your day on top of the riding how do you maintain that over five weeks and manage those things um it was pretty tricky so one thing that was really helpful because the trail was so steep there was a lot of massive climbs pretty much every day we had a pass that we had to get over so it's just up and down um and one thing is water and food but especially water gets really heavy really fast so um, one solution to that is always carrying a water filter and then trying to camp near water sources, and then you don't have to carry as much water. But the food was definitely tricky because, like I said, I always use a more traditional touring setup with racks and panniers. Um, so I'm used to being able to carry a little bit more food. Um, and in this case, I just had um, two little cages strapped to my fork, um, and I put my tent in there and my fly and then I had a frame bag, a big seat pack, and a little handlebar basket. So you're really limited for food. So you're kind of cramming it in anywhere you can fit it to make sure that you can make it three or so days until the next food stop. So. And and did you do all that climbing on three minute noodles, or what sort of um, food <laughs> were you able to get? <laughs> Um, I usually eat a lot more, um, like oatmeal and quinoa and stuff like that. Um, it was kind of hard to find fresh veggies sometimes mm -hmm. cause you're up so high. They don't really grow them around there. Um, but I ate a lot of soups with quinoa and carrots and peppers and stuff like that. And then tons of oatmeal. And during the day we probably ate more chocolate than we should have, <laughs> <laughs> but we had a pretty strict toothbrushing rule. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, uh, how long a riding day? 
Um, well, we rode pretty much from sunup to sundown. So oh, yep. um, it was usually around eight or nine hours of riding with a little bit of lunch in the middle. And, and then you're kind of stopping every once in a while to um, readjust a bag that's bumping your leg or um, eat a little bit of snacks to try and get over the next pass. Uh, and then we were also filming quite a bit, too. So we were <laughs> kind of pulling over every once in a while to set up a shot um, or... We also had a drone too, so um, wow. so we were all carrying extra batteries for the drone Driver. and <laughs> pulling over. And um, they would the guy that was doing most of the filming, his name is Jay Ritchie, and he was kind of the drone master. So it was his equipment, and he would lock it on to someone, and then we had walkie talkies, and he would tell us um, how far up ahead to ride, and uh-huh. so yeah. that now was come back down and go back over well, that. There's hill. a little bit of that. <laughs> Take two. No, yeah. He carried the camera the whole way. I'd imagine it wouldn't be light. Oh, no. We we all tried to carry a little bit to help him, but he definitely had the heaviest setup. Wow. And he was riding really hard to get a little bit ahead of us yeah. to get climb up, up on something yeah. and get up to exactly get a good shot. So, um, But the movie should be coming out in January, I think. And they cool. also did another one for their Mongolia trip a couple of years ago. So. Um, that one was more about the bikes, which are called tumbleweed bikes. But this one should be a little bit more um, riding and a little bit of cultural stuff. We got some fun stuff on camera and just really wild food that we ate. And um, We were all sick a few times, too, especially in the first week or so. So that was pretty exciting to Getting try and ride. Getting the local bugs. Exactly. <laughs> it can be treacherous. Yeah. Especially while you're trying to ride over these 5,000-meter passes and you're feeling kind of ill. The um, local people? Um, the local people for... The- Sorry, Peruvian social... Yeah. <laughs> um, they, for the most part, they were pretty welcoming, but um, there's also been an ongoing military conflict since... Um, we visited a little museum that explained it, but it was all in Spanish, and we only one of the people in our group spoke Spanish, so we kind of tried to get filled in. Um, but it's been ongoing since like the '80s, and the oh, Peru is... police force has just been oh. killing like thousands of civilians with the help of the U.S. police force, this, uh, the army. Sorry, this is the shining path. Oh yes, from, exactly. Yeah, which yeah. has been going for a long time. Yeah, right? decades. So they were understandably pretty suspicious of us in some of the smaller villages, um, to the point where. A lot of the time we would kind of be surrounded by a bunch of angry villagers in the middle of the night while we were camping and they would demand all of our passports and be taking photos of the passports. And the first time it happened, it really scared us and we were, we weren't sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that spoke Spanish really saved us and kind of negotiated us um, where we were allowed to stay the night. Because uh, they wanted us to move along, and it was kind of like sleeting out, like pretty bad weather, and really cold, and it was pitch black outside, and so that was pretty lucky that someone spoke some Spanish. Yes. But yeah, generally they're pretty um, not stoked on seeing random white people like touring. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the mining there um, has gotten pretty prolific, and so a lot of the villagers, when they questioned us, they would be like. Are you here um, to try and scout out for a new mine? Do you guys need a uh, mine? Excuse me. Um, and they would kind of say, like, you need to keep moving. You can't stay here and like, no. check it out. And we'd be like, no, no, a soy turista, <laughs> which is I'm a tourist. And then they would kind of be like, oh, you're a tourist, huh? 
Well, okay. <laughs> what's that drone for? <laughs> exactly. They were like, oh, that gosh. wouldn't come yeah. down. Well. They were like, what's all this equipment? Yeah. Why do you have walkie talkies? And we were like, oh, we're just tourists filming this mountain bike oh. movie, which sounds like a bad cover story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody at CIA thought of Yeah, totally. Hey, bikepacking's this whole new thing. <laughs> So that got pretty exciting, but a lot of the other towns we went in and they were really excited to check out the bicycles and to try and feed us some soup or potatoes or something. So, yeah, it was cool. Sounds like more than a bike trip. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was an adventure for sure. Was there any moment after setting off with these random strangers you met on the internet um, that you thought, I really wish I hadn't done this, or this was a stupid idea. Um, well, on the flight over, I, I kind of <laughs> was I was thinking, like, oh, I've, I've sort of agreed to this quickly. I hope everything goes okay. And, and I was also thinking, oh, I, I haven't met any of these guys, and I'm going to be right next to them without yeah. a break for five weeks, yeah. every minute of That's every intense. day. Yeah, and so I was kind of nervous about it, but then... When I met them, they all were just the most amazing guys. So it was Cass, Jay, and Daniel. And they were all super funny and really strong riders and really fun to cook around. Um, we couldn't have a campfire because there was no wood or anything yeah. at altitude. But um, around the tents every night we would cook together and tell stories. And then you're riding together all day and kind of everyone's taking turns being a little bit ill and you're taking care of each other and... Yeah, they without um, exception, they were all just total legends and really, really fun to ride with. So it was like riding with three older brothers for five weeks that oh. are like your best friends. Oh, it was great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, what do you you've you've been back now for a little while, almost. about a week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you? have another adventure in mind or uh, are you just going to um, sit tight for a bit? Well, I think I'm going to have to probably save up a little bit of money because I just was on two back-to-back -to -back tours. So, um, But now, so uh, about halfway through the Peru ride, Tumbleweed Bikes um, asked if I would like to take the bike home back to Australia and be an ambassador. Um, and so I said, yes, of course. And now I've got this awesome um, 27.5 plus like expedition mountain touring bike. Um, so I'm kind of thinking of rides to do on that. That would yeah. be really fun. Um, and it, it can. I'm kind of sick of boxing it up because it's so big. You have to take every single thing off down to the frame, um, especially with the tiny Peru bike boxes because we were taller than everyone by like two feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the next trip I'd like to do is maybe – box it up one more time <laughs> and fly it out to do the Mundabidi trail oh, out yeah. west. So there's a couple good bike shops out there I'd like to visit. And um, that looks like the perfect terrain for the, the fat tires. And yeah. the, it would be a pretty fun trip, I think. I love touring in Australia. Everyone's so friendly here and the trails are really good. So, And I've never been out west before, so it could be a good excuse to use that bike again pretty soon. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And not much climbing. <laughs> that would be great. A bit of mining. <laughs> All right. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Take the drone. <laughs> yeah. Events coming up. Events coming oh, up. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Oh. Pepper, thank you very much for coming. <laughs> it's been wonderful having Thanks, you on. Thanks, Val and the, uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll put up. Um, we, we haven't got any links for. Anyway. Yeah. We'll, 
Or you can we'll put up the link um, to your Instagram account. Sure. Maybe yeah, people yeah. I've got a lot of fun photos. photos. Yeah. 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 I want to see Peru. <laughs> and just really super quickly, I'll just yeah. mention that uh, coming up on October the 14th is the Spring Bike Rave. Bike Rave is uh, always a lot of fun. So that'll be kicking off at 6 p.m. from Birrung Ma. And uh, if you Google Spring Bike Rave, you'll find the Facebook event or there'll be a link from our podcast. And if you've got speakers for the back of your bike, download the music program and away you go. Bit of doof doof. No, can't do anybody any harm. Good to see a couple of little bike film festivals coming back to Melbourne. So the Big Bike Film Night and the Cycle Chic Film Tour. That's midway through October, I think, for both of those dates. Yep. 17th, 18th, 19th and 21st. And uh, again, we'll put up uh, links to those. Uh, I think tickets are selling pretty well, so we'll put the links up from the podcast. Also coming up uh, on the 18th is Ride to Work Day. So uh, keep an eye out or have a hunt around your local community and your workplace for um, breakfasts and events around that. And it might be time if you're not already riding to work to dust off the bike, bike in the shed. Yeah, and if you pass through some of the local council's spots in Melbourne, you'll get a th- free slap band, probably a cup of coffee and a muffin. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. yeah. And uh, just coming up also um, is a set of bike schools programs for women over 50. These will be run in the city of Yarra uh, and are called Amy's Bike Schools. It's been sponsored by the Amy Gillett Foundation. And there are multiple dates in November and December. So we'll put a link up to that as well for anyone who's interested. You've been listening to the Arabug Bicycle Show on 3CR. If you want to support the station, you can do so at 3cr.org.au by subscribing or making a donation. Coming up next is... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.